What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 155. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Oh, man. What time is it? <laughs> For uh, you, it's, I mean. Yeah, it's only 9.22. Oh, man. It's a whole 10.22 here. It's almost past my bedtime. <laughs> uh, we're kind of, uh, kind of piecing things together this week, but hey, it works, right? Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, this is probably the most loose episode <laughs> we're ever going to do, but um, you know what? We'll have fun, and it's kind of part of the brand. So let's let's get into it. Before we get into our usual, uh, our well, our main topic for this week, um, of course, our usual housekeeping. Definitely check out the Discord if you're not already in there. It's the best place to be to chat all things MTG, as well as just kind of any nonsense you're really interested in. Um, we've had a lot of fun in the spoilers channel lately with some of the new spoilers we've been getting more on that in a bit. But again, the link to the discord is in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. We love you guys. Perks over there include things like our draft doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings and our draft draft hero cards, which we'll sign and send out to you. Again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, on to our crack and draft type thing. We've got a fun one here this week. Yeah, it's this new thing. It's like a six card pack. I'm not really sure. Um, probably should just read the card names. So the first one is uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. I mean, just really strong bomb right off the bat here. Uh, people love this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, really from top to bottom is just fantastic. Uh great power toughness you know the stats overall are just really solid um and you gotta love the text too great great plot (laughs) next up here we've got the two towers i think it's like one of those double face cards maybe like one tower on one side one on the other i don't know (laughs) something like that Uh, we've got return of the king i assume that's a reanimate of some kind maybe it like reanimates uh kenrith uh I i don't know yeah, well, and it, it's got some good spirit synergy as well. So got to, you know, love that. And I think there are a couple of uh, pretty solid zoo decks that this fits into. Yeah, it's true. Uh, next up, we've got An Unexpected Journey. This one has subtype The Hobbit. Hmm. Uh, I, I like going on Unexpected Journey. Uh, what is this, like Green Ramp? Yeah, it does feel pretty pretty Green Ramp. It's a fine one. Only two cards left in this pack. We've got The Desolation of Smaug. This obviously is uh, anti-flyer hate. Yeah, I... We'll say, though, this one leaves you a little bit wanting, you know, you you want a little more out of this one. (laughs) It's a little below rate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Last up, we've got the battle. Ooh, wow. They're really incorporating new new card types in here. We've got battle, uh, battle of the five armies. This is obviously a Wooberg uh, battle. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's perfectly serviceable. I think, you know, one of those cards you can just pretty much slot in any deck that can play the colors, but it is Wooberg, so... Pretty tough to find that slot. You got to want it, you know. You really do got to want this one. (laughs) Yeah. So um, what's your pick out of this pack? Ah, man. You know, know, I I think at first my brain went Fellowship of the Ring. Like, you have to go Fellowship of the Ring. Mm -hmm. But I also have a soft spot in my heart for the Return of the King. You know I'm a big spirits guy, and any excuse I can take to play spirits, I'm going to do it. But I think Fellowship takes it out for this one for me. Yeah, I've been going back and forth. It is between the uh, subtype Lord of the Rings uh, picks here. I don't think it's two towers, although I do love the the Siege of Helm's Deep. I think it's an awesome sequence. That is probably like the single like saving grace of that movie. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but like Helm's Deep makes it. 
when I ask you to name a couple other things that happen in Two Towers, uh, there's some good stuff in there. But I mean, these other ones are, are kind of just full of uh, iconic plot points. Uh, we, I'm probably going to go with Fellowship as well. Oh, man. Return of the King. It's, it, it's honestly a tie. I think I, if, it's, if I had it's pretty to pick close. one. Close but not clear. Yeah. Yeah. Probably go with Fellowship of a gun in my head. Yeah. I think the the kind of defining factor for me is that when I sit down, like think about watching either of these, I'm almost always going to watch the fellowship before I'm going to like rewatch the return of the King, unless I'm no, watching them in a series. Yeah. That, that's a good point. You do want to pick up your copy of fellowship before your copy of return right. of the King. It doesn't make sense to, to pick them in the other order. Um, I think it's also a little easier to pick up copies of fellowship. So I, I yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go with fellowship here. All right. On to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share high and a low for the past week. So, Ben, what's up? <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with uh, the Tibble, which is that, funny enough, we're in different time zones. So uh, I get to experience something that Zach does not. It's it's a full-on Arrakis outside. It's just looks like Blade Runner 2049 out there. It is nasty uh for those all over the world some canada wildfire smoke has drifted its way all down to a beautiful new jersey and uh, you know we've just got such clean air to begin with (laughs) well it's funny you know (laughs) yeah well i I, i'll get to this my teferi go ahead sorry Uh, no no i mean like north jersey i think when people fly into like newark airport or something sometimes they see the industrial wasteland that uh some of the marshes have become I mean, it looks like the the dead swamps or something up there. It's it's not good. But I mean, most of New Jersey is actually pretty beautiful. Uh, that being said, it's now kind of like orange colored, orange yellow colored beautiful because uh, this wildfire smoke is nasty. Uh, it's not fun to breathe. It uh, doesn't smell that great. I do love wired like the smell of a campfire, but this is like a little a little worse than that. Um, plus the knowledge that it's I assume carcinogenic and you know, not good for you. Uh, besides just being generally disruptive, I mean, it makes going outside rough. It's going to cause a lot of asthma problems, a lot of breathing problems. So, uh, I have a week left in school and they're already talking about potentially canceling days. And when I'm so close to the end, on one hand, I can't just get it done. But on the other hand, I really don't want to go outside and breathe this. So not, uh, not that convenient. Yeah, luckily we just spent three years getting used to wearing masks. So, you know, if everybody can just break out uh, some, I don't know, you need some like really heavy industrial like ventilation to not breathe in that stuff. But yeah, yeah, I tried to find some N95s, but they'd already been picked off the shelves. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, maybe they get the wildfires under control within this week. Maybe it takes two weeks. I don't know. Uh, It's kind of funny on day one, but it's not going to be for much longer. Yeah. Anyway, for Teferi, uh, I got to go somewhere arguably more beautiful than New Jersey, which was Vermont this past weekend. It was pretty cool. Got to go for uh, uh, a friend's wedding. It was good stuff. It's Vermont. You know, what's not to love? If you're a listener and you're from Vermont, please like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, maybe even say hi in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's awesome. I got to do some hiking. Uh, wedding was a blast. So, yeah, uh, definitely a, a stark contrast to the, uh, I don't know, <laughs> whatever's happening out there now. I'm expecting a sandworm to pop up. What's up with you? Yeah, so I mean, I'm in Chicago this week for work, so that's my Teferi. That said, uh, I never thought I'd go to Chicago to get respite for air quality. Like, <laughs> you know, like like I I also, you know, Ben mentioned New Jersey. I also live in New Jersey, and I'm missing this. I, I just I left just before it started, basically. So um, 
I'm not experiencing it. On the one hand, I'm pretty happy about that. On the other hand, I'm a little disappointed because it would have been nice to uh, get to at least to see it. I, you know, I, I can't say I would like to breathe it in and stuff, but um, yeah, so that's, I'm in Chicago. And then when I get back, I'm leaving for a tech detox sort of uh, for a prayer retreat with uh, some folks from my church. And um, it's, yeah, basically going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday with no tech and just kind of like chilling in the woods with some friends, <laughs> more or less. Um, Sounds cool. There's a little bit more structure to it than that, but but basically that's kind of the gist of it. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to just not have my phone around me for a few days. Uh, my table, I, I just put in lyrics to um, We Didn't Start the Fire from, uh, was it Billy Joel? Yeah, it's Billy Joel. All right, on to our listener question of the week. This week our question comes from Ratafia. Ratafia's got a fun one for us this week. Ratafia says, Mark Rosewater finally reveals that he's been a listener since day one and comes to you two with a request. Design the limited mechanics for the long-rumored Wild West slash Cowboy set. What mechanics would you try and how many of them are kicker? <laughs> uh, when, I, when I first looked at this question, I said zero. I'm going to make it so that the zero are. But then I thought about, wait a minute. If you're like giddy upping a horse, then you kind of aren't you supposed to like you're supposed you to kind of like yeah. give it a nudge with the side of your. I, I I feel like in the Wild West they'd actually use spurs, but that's probably not humane. <laughs> I, I'm sure magic would handle it in a better way. Uh, anyway, I, I decided to come up with some some slightly different uh, mechanics here. They're all kind of color dependent, but the vectors would probably slide around a little bit, moving some adjacent ally colors. So hear me out for white. Uh, I designed draw with an exclamation point, you know, kind of like from they did it once. Each player scries one, then flips the top card of their library. And the player who reveals a card with the highest mana value gets a bonus effect. So I, I have a, I have a thing for this. Okay. Otherwise this is just like a draw effect and it's white. It's symmetrical card draw, my favorite. So I had to kind of design a whole mechanic around it. Uh, but I'm going to find a way to incentivize you putting high mana value cards into your deck so that you could win your draws. So I yeah, guess maybe like a, a creature that it worked kind of like the dice rolling where it would enter you, a creature would enter the battlefield. Uh, you would draw. And then if you win the highest mana value thing, you get the bonus effect at that time. Maybe there'd be some things where like, I don't know, both players get to do it. Maybe both players should draw the card like parley. It wouldn't really make mm-hmm. sense to have a mechanic called draw that didn't involve card draw. I don't know. I'll work out the kicks later. Blue came up with water tokens. It's exactly like blood, except instead of rummaging, it's looting. So it'd be uh, a colorless token, no mana value, uh, has one tap, sacrifice it, uh, draw a card, discard a card. Blood, but, you know, kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, yes, this does give everything in your deck kind of like better cycling. <laughs> yeah. A little broken. Well, not, maybe. not everything. Uh, I mean, it's just the stuff that it's printed on, right? Like... Yeah. You just have to be careful well, about what you put the the water, like make a water token. You just be careful about what cards you put that on. Yeah, and then that could give like lands in your hands. I don't know. I, there's something here, right? It's like a liquid, so it's kind of like blood. <laughs> uh, so green and red, there's going to be a vector within this. Uh, it's, it's called Giddy Up, and it's huge mana value spells, except you can uh, cast them for their Giddy Up cost, in which case they come in... Uh, with haste or vigilance, uh, a counter of your choice. They come in with either a haste counter or a vigilance counter. Uh, so maybe like a, a big old horse or something. It costs like 10 mana. This is obviously a wild example. Uh, it has giddy up for five. And then you could choose to have it come in either with uh, haste or vigilance. This would kind of play off of the draw 
uh, because white and green would pair, white and red would pair. Yes, I did spend most of my time looking at the Naya mechanics and figuring out how that would work. You know, (laughs) (laughs) what do you want from me? Uh, Black is morbid. I don't know. So it's like a, just normal morbid, I guess. Something yeah. to, to uh, have be the usual. I honestly think this would work. Maybe there's like treasure for like gold. Treasure, I was thinking. Oh, no. The other partner yeah, was the things. other one that you didn't that we that we didn't have oh, here. Oh man, that's good. It's probably really good. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about treasure slash gold tokens. There are gold tokens. That is a thing. Yeah, but they are just treasures. So. I don't know. Maybe you could also do something where you have some sort of, I don't know what you would call it. Maybe you could, you would call it mount up or something like that, but something where like you can functionally crew creatures with a certain subtype. So like a soldier can crew a horse or something Hmm. and then they combine stats or some, something like that, you know, kind of give an additional bonus to one of the creatures doing the thing. I don't know. Ooh, a creature vehicle. They've got to print that at some point, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Wait, yeah. Isn't that, that's but like instead of, instead of, well, I guess, but instead of just like <laughs> crew, like tapping your, your soldier to crew, like to turn your creature into a creature, cause it's already a creature, right? Uh, yeah. you would, you would functionally mutate them, I guess. Like you'd, you'd put one on the other and then they would gain, gain the stats of the other for like a temporary period yeah, of time. Yeah. Okay. Or you could just say that like the, the, the non animal creature, uh, gains like, haste or vigilance or so, you know some other some other keyword ability for the end of the turn or something like that i don't know i'm coming off with, coming up with this off the cuff so i'm sure there are a lot of kinks there but i, I don't know that sounds like something that could be fun mm-hmm. and uh by the way giddy up is the kicker one <laughs> it's just right. it's reverse kicker it's like prototype um and haste and vigilance these just feel like very wild west mechanics it's like i don't know if you're a gunslinger you want to be able to be quick on the draw but you can also imagine a gunslinger looking out to the distance at the horizon they seem to mechanically appropriate for red and green there. Yeah, I would like to see a, a Wild West set, though. I think this would be really fun to finally get our hands on. I, I would expect them to kind of do something closer to like Cowboys and Aliens, though, if they were going Wild West. I I mm. don't think I expect them to do like a traditional Wild West a la like Earth, like what yeah. we're used to. John Plus, they, they kind of have a hard rule against like a literal gun being in the game. Uh, also true. I mean, we, we saw the, what was the backside of the black, white, holy, the frazzle, holy frazzle cannon. cannon. <laughs> so they can get, they can get around it somehow. There was also that Tommy gun from right. New Capenna. So, but it, it shot like, it was like an art caster or something. Yeah. I don't know how they'll, they'll do that with a revolver, but I look forward to seeing how they handle it. Yeah. All right. On to our main topic. And this week, our main topic is all about, as you may have guessed from our cracker draft type thing or the title of the episode, the Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle Earth which we basically have pre-released right around the corner. We just got like a bunch of the spoilers. I don't know if the full set's out just yet at the time of recording, but we've seen tons of the cards. Um, It's not standard legal, but it is draftable. It will be on Arena, and we're definitely interested in it, both of us being incredible Lord of the Rings fans, as well as Magic fans, as well as limited fans. Of course, this is a set we're interested in giving a try. So we're going to do something we've never done before. We're calling this a format rundown. We're going to kind of zip through... The mechanics and then vector signposts for each of the color pairs, the main color pairs, and then that's about it. We're not going to give any of the supporting cards like we usually do with our format breakdowns, but because we're both tight on time and trying to get this episode out sort of while in the middle of travel and things like that, we just kind of wanted to run through this set. We're both very excited about it and hope you are as well. So Ben, why don't we kick right off with the mechanics here? Yeah, first of all, uh, there's no battles. 
<laughs> people kind of expected them to to slot some battles into here, but I mean, unless they're saving a, a really some really big ones for later. Uh, I mean, we just got some of these cards we're about to talk about. Some of these got spoiled like an hour ago, so maybe they've kept the best for last. But I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't expect it. So first up, we've got Tempted by the Ring. The Ring is something else, uh, and thankfully, it comes with a nice reminder card to remind us. Uh, know what happens when you are tempted by the ring we should talk about the ring so let's just take this from the card itself as the ring tempts you you get an emblem named the ring if you don't have one then your emblem gains the next ability and you choose a creature you control to become your ring bearer so the first time you are tempted by the ring uh the first ability the ring gains is your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power it's pretty important there's a pretty heavy legendary theme to this set of course if your if your ring bearer is already legendary it doesn't really do anything but uh, there's a bunch of cards that do benefit from having a legend in play. The next ability it gains with the next time you're tempted by the ring is whenever your ring bearer attacks, draw a card, then discard a card. Nice. You know, a little bit of looting. Yeah, and as Ben mentioned at the beginning with that rules text, you can switch your ring bearer every time you're tempted by the ring. So you can pick a, a ring bearer for the first time it gets tempted, it becomes legendary, it can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. Then you get tempted again. You can switch or keep your ring bearer the same and then you gain that second ability, and these abilities stack. They, they don't disappear. They're not until end of turn. You have them as long as you have a ring bearer. Right. So let's say um, you do swap ring bearers, then the one would stop being legendary, and your new ring bearer would become legendary if it's exactly. like a random common. Third ability is whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, that creature's controller sacrifices it at end of combat. Pretty good. Like a pseudo death touch, it pairs well with the, uh, your ring bearer's legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power kind of starts uh i guess forcing chumps yeah and then uh whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player each opponent loses three life yeah i mean i guess that's the ring for you it, it'll it'll get to the end in some way shape or form someone's got to carry it to mount doom yeah top down wise this this feels in some ways it feels like it makes sense like the first ability really makes sense maybe the second ability really makes sense some of them after that i'm not so sure but it seems really cool. There are, of course, a few extra rules. I'm sure just reading through those, uh, some questions may have popped in your mind if you aren't already familiar with the ring. So there are a few extra rules there. The ring can tempt you even if you don't control a creature. So in that case, you would, you know, mark off that you've been tempted by the ring, you know, to show that you maybe have hit the second ladder on the rung or however you want to phrase that. Um, but you wouldn't pick a ring bearer, of course, because you don't have a, cre a creature. Also, the ring gains its abilities in order from top to bottom. So the way they're listed on the card is the first one, Ben Red, is at the top, and then they they go progressively down the card. Once it gains an ability, it has that ability for the rest of the game. This is an emblem. We still have nothing in Magic that interacts with emblems. So once you get it, you get it. That's it. Each time the ring tempts you, you must choose a creature if you control one. So it's not a may. You have to choose some a creature to become your ring bearer. And then each player can have only one emblem named the ring and only one ring bearer at a time which means you can't stack these emblems. You know, if you get to the end and then you get tempted again, it doesn't do anything for you. So really getting tempted at most four times is what is going to happen in the game. What this also is kind of intriguing about is, well, I suppose the way that the word that the text is worded, it is your ring bearer. So it's tied to the player. So I guess like stealing, you know, like a threat in effect, stealing your opponent's ring bearer isn't going to then give you two ring bearers. It's still your ring right, bearer yeah. and your opponent's ring bearer. You just happen to control it. So I don't know that you would get the effects from the ring if you steal no, your... No, I wouldn't think so. Right. 
Yeah, another thing about this, uh, it does kind of incentivize a little bit of a Voltron-y play style. I don't think there's going to be much hexproof or uh, heavy ward in this set because of that, but this does incentivize attacking with creatures, and that's pretty good. Uh, if you have a Tempted by the Ring style, if, you, if you're along this vector, you're going to want a solid number of like little creatures that you could maybe uh, find ways to get in. Because you you want to be attacking with stuff, you know. Uh, this pair is really really disgustingly low with flyers. I am pretty surprised to not see a downside here. I was really expecting like you're tempted by the ring or the ring's effects after having been tempted to eventually be something bad. Hmm. But oh, it is just for your opponent. <laughs> no, yeah, I get that. But like the way it affects Frodo in the movie, right? You'd think. Uh, there's probably going to be something bad. Like maybe your creature gets minus one, minus one a turn for the every turn. It's the ring bearer or something. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the card, the ring does it. Uh, does it pretty That's well? True. Just deals damage to you as it draws you cards. Um, another note about this: as far as mechanics go, this reminds me a lot of dungeons and initiative. Two mechanics from you know similar crossover sets that people weren't super happy with. Uh, they were a little too. They're a little weak for limited and a little too good for vintage and legacy. And that's not really where you want your mechanics to land. This one has, maybe it's fixed it by making you only go through the quote unquote dungeon once. But then again, it is a repeatable ability. I don't know. The fact that your opponent will probably always have a ring bear. I mean, you can kill them, but then they can just get a new one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Curious to see how this one plays out. Probably not going to make too many waves like... Uh, initiative and and dungeons kind of did for a little bit initiative more so uh but uh, we'll see so our next mechanic here is a mass orcs and if you've been around since say war of the spark you're familiar with the mass effect you, you basically generate tokens right but um in this case we're generating orcs not zombies and it's kind of just nice like you're adding there's there's some tribal synergy with orcs and, and goblins in the set uh, of course the flavor there of being able to like build an army of orcs is 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 a win um you only ever have one though, right? You like you keep adding on to that's kind of where the keyword amass comes from. Like you keep adding on to the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to lose the one and you had another thing that said like amass two, you would then make another token. Right. Pairs pretty well with sacrifice effects and like amassing small amounts at once. So like amass one, sack the token, amass one, sack the token, uh, or just grow it out of control. Amass tends to be weakest when you have like one card in your deck that says four mana amass three, then you're just not playing really well with any of its potential vector synergies. Next up, this one's for you. It's food. And oh, man, yeah. there's a bunch of good food. Dude, they printed a card called Lembus. It's just oh, yes. Lembus. <laughs> oh, yes. I liked it at the bottom. Go, go scroll down. Look at that real quick. Uh, anyway, food, it's a fun mechanic. People like this. We saw it last in Eldraine, really. Uh, it is, it's a bit of a weird one. It can both prolong games Uh, You know, you can sack the artifacts to gain life, but they tend to make cards where there's a pump spell that says if you sack a food, uh, instead of getting plus two plus two, this creature gets plus four plus four instead. So there's still ways to use it aggressively, uh, sort of as another hard to interact with resource, similar to how uh, it seems like the ring is going to be tough to interact with. And that was a big downside uh, with like initiative and dungeons. You couldn't interact with with your opponent's uh, progress. Food you also can't really interact with. It is a strong mechanic. I mean, you're not going to spend a, like a disenchant killing your opponent's food token so they can't use it for a buff later on. Uh, food tends to be at its strongest when you are sacking it to do other things. Activating creature abilities, uh, procking life gain, uh, maybe uh, other random stuff like that. Now, 
the second, maybe like second to worst way to use it is to uh, just crack it a bunch to stay alive for an extra turn. It's not great. Maybe you top deck a card that synergizes with food and you're like, man, well, wish I had that food now. Uh, the, the worst way to use it is just like cracking it because you have nothing else to do. You really shouldn't sacrifice food just to use up your mana, uh, unless you're actively getting beat down by like a red white deck or something, uh, where you think it's actually going to be important and relevant in the life totals. Uh, you, you want to use food for other stuff, you know? Definitely. And then we've got a bunch of miscellaneous stuff, legends, equipment, scry. There are a bunch of tribes. We even got some sagas, basic land cycling, and then just a bunch of other things that are in there for flavor that aren't necessarily like keyworded mechanics, but are kind of thrown in. And then you're like, Oh, I get that. You know, there are a lot of really good top down designs in the set. Yeah. All right. So like, let's jump into our vector signpost here. I'll just kick things off because we've got blue white up first. And the first one here is Guahir the wind Lord. This is four white blue for a bird noble legend at uncommon. It's a four, four. It says this spell costs two less to cast. As long as you've drawn two or more cards this turn, it has flying, vigilance, and other birds you control have vigilance. Bro, this is a, a bird that cares about drawing cards. This is like everything <laughs> I've ever wanted. Yeah, I had a feeling you'd like this one. Also, the art is great. It is, yeah. Uh, notably, drawing two or more cards this turn. Hmm. Pretty easy to get that second card if you've got a ring bearer, right? Uh, on level two. Yep, the ring bearer on level two will do it. Also, obviously, drawing you draw your first card for the turn, so you really only need to draw one extra card a turn for this to be cheaper at that point, it's a four mana, four or four flying vigilance that makes your other birds better. Yeah. Seems pretty solid. Uh, I don't really, I don't know. It kind of speaks for itself. Well, here is the Eagle, right? Like yes. the one that rescues Gandalf from the tower, the one that picks them up at the end. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even the flavor text kind of hints at that. He's the greatest Eagle, greatest of all the Eagles of the North. Next up, we've got Prince Imrahil the Fair. This is blue-white for a legendary human noble at Uncommon. He's a 2-2. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. So these two don't necessarily pair perfectly well together. Obviously, Imrahil's not making birds, but they do obviously show that you're your blue-white decks are going to care about drawing more than one card a turn. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, this also works pretty well with uh, a ring bearer that's on the second level. Maybe you could make Prince Emmerhill the ring bearer and then just go to town, curve right into Guahir the Lin Lord. I mean, this is a very clear vector, right? Uh, yep. There's also a uh, an opt. There's a cantrip. It just costs one blue. It says the ring tempts you, draw a card. So yeah, good with this uh, vector too. I got to say, I kind of, after having played with it now in, obviously in, in Mom, I really like this sort of low to the ground, low mana value, go wide but also care about cantrippy type effects in these mm -hmm. blue white decks like this this build an army while drawing cards thing is just exactly what i'm enjoying it's like the, my favorite mix of tempo and control so i am like i really like seeing it here again and i hope it plays out similarly to the way it played in mom <laughs> breaking news zach likes playing blue white <laughs> what no we never saw that coming next up we've got blue black We've got the Mouth of Sauron. This is three blue-black for a 3-4 human advisor. It's a legend. Uh, when the Mouth of Sauron enters the battlefield, a target player mills three cards. Then amass Orcs X, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in that player's graveyard. So we got a little bit of a mass going on, a little bit of uh, instants and sorceries in the graveyard going on. And of course, it's blue-black. It's got a little bit of graveyard going on. These are all pretty standard vectors. Yeah, interestingly, this one 
cares about the player that you had milled the cards. So target player mills three cards. Then you amass X where that it's that player's graveyard, the instance of sorceries in that player's graveyard. So you may want to do like some math and check, oh, their graveyard's bigger than mine. We'll have them mill three and then I'll amass 10 instead of amassing six or whatever. Yeah. As a general rule, people tend to say that hitting your opponent with mill stuff is a downside and hitting yourself is at least not, at the worst, not upside. <laughs> but right. uh, in this case, yeah, you might count and say, oh, they have five, I have one. All right, let's amass them. We've also got ring sight here. Man, this is... This whole set is is flavor heaven. Full disclosure, seen the movies a billion times. Uh, I'm halfway through the two towers, uh, book wise. So uh, as I have been for a handful of months, give me till the summer, then I'll then I'll get it done. Uh, but even uh, just seeing all these makes me want to get back to it. Ring sight, of course, I'm very familiar with. When you put on the ring, you can uh, you might you might see a couple wraiths in there. Uh, so there's a, a one blue black. It's a sorcery at uncommon. It says the ring tempts you. Search your library for a card that shares a color with a legendary creature you control. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So if the ring tempts you, by default, you do have a legend. This is basically you have a creature. Yeah, yeah. You do need a creature in play for this to work, but you could go one drop, two drop, then, you know, you have this, uh, and they probably wouldn't even be able to kill anything in response. You would most likely be able to tutor for a thing that matches a color of a creature you control. But then you reveal it, put it in your hands, and shuffle. Three mana tutor that's contingent on you having a creature in play. Is that good? It feels pretty bad. Yeah, it, it feels pretty bad. It, I think this has enough going on that like you probably would have been able to just put this card. You maybe maybe if it was like four or five mana, you just put the card into play. I don't know. I can't quite tell how bad putting it into your hand is with this effect. I think there are going to be plenty of situations where this just isn't playable. Like like it's just a yeah. dead card in your hand. But all all you need is to have any other creature on the board, and then it does the thing. Yeah, that seems okay. I, I don't think it's like the worst card ever, but it doesn't feel great. One thing for sure, blue-black players love junk like this. Can confirm. All right, next up, red-black. Here we've got Mauhur Urukai Captain. This is black-red for an orc soldier legend at Uncommon. He's a 2-2. He has Menace. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on an army, goblin, or orc you control... That many plus one, plus one, plus one counters are put on it instead. We've seen this effect a million times. Obviously, this has army, goblin, orc synergies. Uh, two, two, menace for two is just great stats. And then, you know, adding all these counters uh, across the board is is going to get pretty nasty pretty quick. This does the orc thing. I like the flavor. You know, those the, the war parties of orcs like ravaging Middle Earth. Um, they tend to travel in massive packs. I, I really like the, the whole flavor here. They make the, make each other better. Pretty cool. Yeah, interesting that we get a a, a black red one one counter hardened scales effect. Although it is right. limited to these very specific tribes, um, on a, this honestly doesn't have much application outside like the Lord of the Rings set. Like I, I mean, even like look at like a, a modern goblins deck or something uh, when that used to be a thing. Um, that that would never play this. No. The other uh, vector signpost we have here, Ugluk of the White Hand. This is two black red for another legendary orc soldier at Uncommon. He's a 3-3. Whenever another creature you control dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Ugluk of the White Hand. If that creature was a goblin or orc, put two plus one plus one counters on Ugluk instead. Okay, I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like plus one plus one counters. We we're letting, you know, kind of converting those into strength. I see you have quoted here. It looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is the thing. It looks like black red is just counters and orcs. Like that's that's all we're going for. Yep. 
Yep, this and the blue-white vector, not subtle at all. No. Next up, we've got a, hmm, who's this guy? Strider, Ranger of the North? I hear this guy is one of the best rangers in, in all of the North, uh, according to the fellow uh, residents at the Prancing Pony. I wonder if this guy has any kind of lore importance. Strider? I mean, he's probably nothing, right? No, he doesn't even have a name. Like, that's just like a... <laughs> that, that's like an adjective. Right. But that, that's actually just like an adverb. Uh, so Ranger of the North here. Uh, two red green for a 4-4 human ranger. Uncommon. Legendary. He's got landfall. Oh, the one-off landfall in the set? That's awesome. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. If that creature has power four or greater, it gains first strike until end of turn. Obviously, pairs pretty well with Strider. You play Strider, you hit your land, this thing attacks as a 5-5 first strike. Nice. Yep. There is solid. actually, there's a, I think it's an uncommon, it's a uh, an instant speed harrow type effect, like a cultivate. Uh, you sacrifice a land, you go get two. If you control a legend, you go get three and they enter the battlefield tapped. So Ooh. if you curve this into that, you just make your whole team plus one, plus one, first strike into land of turn. Uh, assuming they're all power four or greater at that point. Sounds nasty. Yeah, it does. We've also got friendly rivalry. Uh, of course, between Legolas and Gimli. Uh, we've got red, green, instant, at uncommon. Target creature you control and up to one other target legendary creature you control. Each deal damage equal to their power to target creature you don't control. So just right off the bat, this is red, green, Something you control deals power to an opponent's creature. It's a bite. And then if you have a legend laying around, maybe a ring bearer or one of these many, many other legends that are in the set, uh, they get to join in on the action. Seems good. Yeah, I I do love that they made it up to one other target legendary. Obviously, if you were forced to have to pick two targets for this and one of them had to be legendary, this card would be significantly worse. Uh, this just seems great. Yeah, it's, it's a really solid bite spell. Wow, you got a big one here. Oh yeah. On to green white and our signpost, our first signpost here for green white is Frodo Baggins green white for a one, three legendary halfling scout. Whenever Frodo Baggins or another legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, the ring tempts you as long as Frodo is your ring bearer. It must be blocked. If able, you might be wondering why do I want things to be blocking my one threes? Well, once you get tempted enough, obviously you're going to start killing all their things. So there's that. And then obviously the stuff with bigger power than it can't block it. So yeah, you just start eating away all their one power stuff. Basically, this is it. Kind of has death touch. Yeah, right. It's, it's 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 death touch with a lot of steps. Yeah, yeah. This is death touch with many many extra steps. I like it though. I mean, it's fine. It, it yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, this just forces them to block with all their best stuff. Next up, we've got Butterbur Bree Innkeeper. This is two green white for a legendary human peasant. So 3-3, three, three. at the beginning of your end step, if you don't control a food, create a food token. Love it. Uh, isn't that guy uh, the owner of the Prancing Pony? Yes. Nice, nice. Uh, seems good. I mean, just this one does kind of incentivize you to sack a food every turn. This is a case where I couldn't, I could forgive you for sacrificing one just to keep getting a new one because if you're getting another one every turn, that's just solid value. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Oh, I hate this guy. Denethor, ruling steward, is one white black for a 2-4 human noble, legendary at uncommon. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature died under your control this turn, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. And you can pay two, sacrifice another creature, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Wait a minute, this is like hidden stockpile. That's cool. You need one death, one sacrifice to get it going, and then it has like the revolt get a, a soldier at the end of every turn. That's really good. 
Yeah, but remind me, uh, I may be misremembering, but Denethor is the one who rules Gondor in the absence of a, a true king, right? Right. Shouldn't his ability be two mana sacrifice this creature? He tries to kill himself. <laughs> uh, wasn't it his? Wasn't it his son? No. He well, he thinks his son is dead, so then he tries to kill himself because he's like, "I was a jerk to oh, my son, yeah, and he died in battle." Yeah. Um, clearly, this guy works with death, so yeah, uh, I think it works. Uh, plus the the thematic thing of of being an aristocrat. Um, Definitely nailed that. It's kind of like an aristocrat card. Yeah, that, that's right on. We've got another one here: shadow summoning. White, black, create two tapped 1-1 white spirit creature tokens with flying. It's a sorcery at uncommon. That's a really good rate. Yeah, I mean, we're used to seeing like raise alarm effects. Obviously, this is, I don't know if it's just clearly better because they do enter tapped. But I mean, getting two 1-1 flyers are definitely better than getting two 1-1s. So yeah, really great rate. Yeah, I mean, this is the back half of Lingering Souls. <laughs> that's that's one plenty of games. Yeah. I mean, you, you, if you can have a deck with two of these, you'll be really happy with these. Uh, maybe find some ways to make them into the ring bearers because little one white, one, one white flyers will be pretty easily able to uh, just clock your opponent for four if you can get to the last ability. All right, next up we've got black green. And first up is Rise of the Witch King. This is two black green for a sorcery at Uncommon. Each player sacrifices a creature. If you sacrifice a creature this way, you may return another permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Nice way to upgrade your, well, maybe your 1-1 flying spirits or any other random amass tokens you've got floating around from black, anything really. I mean, you just upgrade any any creature. And because there are sagas and things like that in this format as well, you can grab those instead of grabbing a creature if you wanted. Seems pretty flexible. Seems pretty cool. At four mana, I, you know, you really want something effective in your graveyard and something not effective on the board to sacrifice. But mm. um, I like the effect. This seems pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if you can self mill a little bit, maybe you can put a. I think Fangorn is like a seven ten for ten or some nonsense like that. So there's some fatties in the set you can maybe uh, sneak into the graveyard early to reanimate. Yep, and then next up we've got Old Man Willow. This is two black green for legendary tree folk at uncommon. It's a star star. Old Man Willow's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Whenever Old Man Willow attacks, you may sacrifice another creature or a token. When you do, target creature and opponent controls gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. It's kind of interesting to see a tree folk with like an aggressive ability like this. It's just not really yeah. what we're they're known for. But hey, that's cool. This basically enters as a four mana four four unless you somehow ramped it in without using lands, and then it attacks effectively as a six six. Right, you get to shrink something else down. So yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I guess you, you can't just indefinitely do that though because you do have to sacrifice stuff to make it happen, but. It notably says sacrifice a token, not another creature token. So you can sack food to it. Any other random tokens you've got lying around. So worth keeping those, you know, it's just another instance of food that, um, you know, maybe don't use them to gain the life. <laughs> right. Uh, also pairs well with a mass. Yeah. Now the big one here, we've got Legolas counter of kills. Uh, this is two green blue for a two, three elf archer. Uncommon, obviously legendary. Legolas has reach because obvious reasons. Uh, and now we get our first look at this really cool blue-green elf mechanic. Whenever you scry, if Legolas counter of kills is tapped, you may untap it. Do this only once each turn. That is probably there to prevent some ridiculous combo uh, nonsense. Retreat to Coral Helm, I think. I don't know. Uh, then whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Legolas. That kind of makes sense. You're counting kills, right? Yeah, 
See, uh, being the blue mage I am, when I when I originally read Counter of Kills, I was thinking he somehow stops kills. That just made so much more sense in my. Now that you <laughs> now that you got through the whole card, I was like, oh yeah, obviously he counts. He's literally counting how many he kills with literal counters. Like, right? Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you need to get a couple kills though before the first ability starts to really do stuff. Blue green has a ton of ways to scry, uh, so maybe once you get a handful of kills, then this becomes like pseudo vigilance. Right. Yeah. It is also kind of weird. I mean, it's a two, three. So at some point in the game, you really just don't care about sending this in the red zone, I guess, mm-hmm. unless you have picked up quite a few counters. Um, I guess the joke yeah. is also an instant speed scry effect would let you untap Legolas and block a flyer like a spirit token. Also true. Yep. Next up, we've got Arwen Undomio. Uh, this is green blue for a two, two. Uh, and she reads, whenever you scry, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. And you have an activated ability for green, blue, scry two. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Nice little self-contained package. Two mana, two, two. Relevant effect. Obviously, blue, green cares about scrying in this set. And there's a plus one, plus one counter sub theme. The two of these go really well together. Arwen and Legolas. Yeah. I mean, it looks like people are going to be building up their non-orc mass armies too, uh, just with scrying. And scrying is something you kind of want to do anyway. Uh, scry tends to be stapled on as a little bit of extra value. It's usually pretty good. Blue and green, they have some like strong cards in these colors, of course. Blue, green, notably, uh, you know, it's been dialed down recently. But, you know, once powered properly, blue and green cards tend to be really good together. So uh, scrying into the good ones in the right order is going to be good by itself. And then with these payoffs, sounds great. Agreed. Next up into blue-red, we've got Bilbo, Retired Burglar. This is one blue-red for a legendary halfling rogue. At uncommon, he's one three. And when Bilbo retired burglar enters or leaves the battlefield, the ring tempts you. Whenever Bilbo deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. Hmm. Yeah, seems like that. a good ring bearer. He sure does, and just great flavor all around on this card. I think it's uh, it, it just like makes total sense for for Bilbo. Um, also, I love that they used his quote for the flavor text. I don't know half of you half as well yeah. as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. <laughs> I just saw that. It's one of my favorite quotes from the book. That's uh, awesome. So good. Next up, we've got Gandalf Sanction. This is one blue red for a sorcery at Uncommon. And it says Gandalf Sanction deals X damage to target creature where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Any excess damage is dealt to the creature's controller instead. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Three mana deal X where X is instance of sorceries. Obviously we care about having instance of sorceries when you're playing a card like this. Um, things like that opt that Ben mentioned earlier, go up in value, anything you can basically just bin into the, into the graveyard to make things like this more powerful. Uh, where are you happy casting this at X equals five? I mean, three mana deal five is pretty good. I don't really want to be casting for X equals three. That feels pretty bad and definitely not less than that. Yeah, X equals three is probably, yeah, X equals three is like the worst case. If you get a three mana deal for sorcery speed, that's solid. Uh, you would put that in any blue red deck, five, six, maybe even seven or eight. Then you're talking about, well, you're going to wait until their one one is uh, left out in the open and they're at seven life. Right. Yeah, because it, do, it does have as close to you get as trample right on, on, a, on a non-creature. Last up, we've got red white. Shadowfax, Lord of Horses, show us the meaning of haste. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Horses you control have haste. Thanks, Shadowfax. Uh, three red white for a 4-4 legendary horse. Horses you control have haste. And the joke here is uh, a line from uh, uh, Lord of the Rings is that uh, Gandalf says, Shadowfax, show us the meaning of haste. 
And I don't think they've put reminder text for haste in like 10 years, right? Yeah, they did actually put reminder text on this one. Yeah, so just in case you need to know the meaning of haste, it is on the card. Uh, when Shadowfax Loaded Horses attacks, you may put a creature card with lesser power from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Wait, Ilarg the Razebore, right? The, yeah, the boar god? Yeah, except it cares about slightly smaller creatures. That's, that seems fine. I mean, sometimes you won't have a creature you want to put in tapped and attacking, uh, but this is a 5 mana 4 4 haste with upside. I mean, red white will probably play that. Yeah. Lastly, here we've got Thaden, King of Rohan. Uh, one red white for a 2 3 human noble, legendary creature, uncommon. Whenever Thaden, King of Rohan, or another human enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gains double strike until end of turn. They actually just uh, just spoiled a card. It's one in a red. Create two one one white human creature tokens, and then humans you control gain haste. Really, Ooh. really cool uh, red white hasty humans beatdown combo thing here. Shadow effects with horses having haste. Obviously, a little off vector. Red white seems to be mostly humans having haste. But then again, there's also a red white. I think it's uh, there's another like legend that has haste or something. One of the one of the hobbits. I don't know. Uh, this vector is a little scattered, but still a little tighter than the blue red vector. I mean, what is blue red doing? Is it is it spells or is it um, ring bearer. It's kind of hard to say from those two. Maybe Bilbo just got slipped in there as like a like a flavor inclusion. Yeah, I don't know. I I was actually a little surprised to see Bilbo as a blue red card. I don't think I was expecting that, but um, I think from what I've seen so far, blue red is leaning more toward the cares about number of instants and sorceries. And then I think a lot of those cards are just going to have the ring tempts you stapled onto them, and so mm. it's going to be something kind of you get for free essentially. Well, that's kind of it for our main vectors. Uh, whether there's going to be some wacky multicolor stuff in the set doesn't look super likely. I don't think there's uh, the, the usual common dual lands that, that enable that type of nonsense. Although there is a four-color Aragorn, and I'm going to cast There's a few four-color cards in the set. There's a four-color Aragorn, a four-color Sauron. There's a four-color Sauron. There are there are a handful of four-color legends in the set. I would be surprised if they're just totally unplayable, but it doesn't look those three-color? Like- um, I think there are four color versions of them as well. Um, maybe I'm no, I, I think you're right. I'm, I'm just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Sauron's Esper and then Sauron's Grixis. Yeah, you're right. Even still those, those could be harder to cast. I think those cost like five or six, but like Aragorn, it seems like a pretty impossible casting cost, which is exactly why I plan on doing it. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, he's uh, just, what, awesome. uh, wet Naya, right? No black, <laughs> I think. Uh, what's the, is it? Is it Glint? I'm trying to remember the Nephilim. I used to know those ones, but I never bothered, oh, bothered to learn them. It might be Glint, whatever the, the non-black is. And that makes sense. Aragorn doesn't have a scrap of black in him. Um, so this set looks awesome. Yeah, well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, check out the Discord if you're not already in there. Again, the spoilers channel has been popping off with all these really cool designs from Lord of the Rings. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And if you'd like to find us on Twitter, you can find us at DraftChaffPod. Thanks, folks. We'll catch you next week. So I wanted to give another, I guess, like a heads up, maybe like a warning, sort of like a grim omen that next week is our our anniversary podcast, third anniversary coming up hot. Uh, I don't know. If you're the type of, of listener that listens to the, uh, the sign-off of our shows, then you probably won't be too surprised by what happens next week. Uh, but we might catch some other people off guard. 
also kind of let us know in, in the discord if you want to hear more about the lord of the rings set i mean we're, we love this stuff we're planning on talking about it and definitely going to uh, the release events maybe drafting a couple times it's gonna be on arena too uh so uh, speaking of which i've been waiting all show to make this joke but um it's like the desolation of smog outside with all this oh, smog everywhere <laughs> oh my god okay i'm gonna chalk that one up to you being tired <laughs> <laughs>